Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? So I know every week on this podcast and in this segment, I explain how we could pick from a myriad of different people every <laughs> week. Right? This week, seriously, you could like, I don't know, you, you could throw a dart anywhere at a board and hit somebody that disappointed. But I had to pick something. So I am going with the running back position as a whole this week. So... <laughs> Basically, okay, looking at after Jonathan Taylor, who is Jonathan Taylor, right? He had the most rushing yards, at least heading out. I'm sorry, after Sunday's slate of games, he had 170 rushing yards. Our next five running backs, Craig Reynolds with 112, Jeff Wilson with 110, Deontay Foreman, 108. Duke Johnson with 106 and Justin Jackson at 86. That's your top, (laughs) you know, five running backs after Jonathan Taylor. I mean, this is, you know, most people are in the first, first, you know, iteration of the playoffs here. And, I mean, God, Eckler had 59 rushing yards. Kamara had 18. Actually, Kamara, Najee Harris, and Cordero Patterson all shared a lovely 18 rushing yards. It's brutal. Mixon had 58. So, basically, most of the people that got you there screwed you at the running back position. So, that's what I'm going with this week. Do you mean that Deontay Foreman, Jeff Wilson, and Duke Johnson weren't your first three picks? They were mine. Those were my first three picks <laughs> well, back I will, in August. You know what? I will victory lap a smidge. <laughs> um, I, I write a weekly column for Yahoo, the wild card starts, like basically someone that could either boom or bust. And I actually did have Duke Johnson in there. So maybe somewhere out there in fantasy land, some, some Yahoo re- reader read it and actually picked him up and started him. So hopefully that at least helped at least one person, maybe two. Good deal, good deal. All right, I am uh, very okay complaining about all the running backs this year. Now let's get to the show. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing okay. Uh, Better than any of the running backs that Jen was just ranting about for a little bit. But I actually... Uh, with all of the injuries and stuff that have happened, I did feel a lot of the same sting that she was talking about. I have Alvin Kamara on a couple of teams uh, and also like started Aaron Jones in a couple of leagues as well. So it's just a rough week, but I'm sure everybody else was feeling much of the same pain with so many things like just chaotic events happening across the league. So I'm just happy that we're able to get through another week. I mean, week 15 isn't even over yet. We still got another day's worth of games. So I don't know. Like, it's just we think that the uh, each week is its own little thing. But especially now with we got the, uh, two extra games on Tuesday, it's just wild thinking about how much more we still have to go before the regular season is done. Uh, but, Jen, like, how are you doing outside of being mad at all of the running backs from this past week? I'm good. I, I have to say, I can't really complain too much. I'm kind of getting in the in the holiday festive spirit a little bit. We this weekend we did. Have you guys ever did? We went through one of those drive-through light display things. Yeah, um, we've been doing. Yeah. Super cool. There's one here uh, in Denver. It's it's at like the big like race racetrack speedway here. Um, it was cool. You know, I didn't really know what to expect, but uh, it was super fun. I, I enjoyed myself. So you know, kind of getting festive. Unfortunately, it's not really that cold here. So it's you know kind of festive but festive enough so yeah um i was gonna do some kind of great transition into chris talking about the surprises of the week but i got nothing so chris take it away uh so i think one of the first surprises uh for this week was the arizona and detroit game and not just the for the fact that 
Detroit's defense was able to fluster Kyler Murray to the point where I mean, he barely returned any sort of value at the quarterback position on Sunday, but also Detroit's offense being able to get going as well. I mean, Jared Goff turning in one of the better performances of his week against a defense that we thought was actually, at least most folks, I mean, with Vance Joseph at the helm down there in Arizona, looked like they had been able to get a pretty decent amount of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, and then also their secondary had been, I mean, going through some injuries. I mean, obviously losing J.J. Watt like earlier in the season, but it seemed overall that that defense was trending in the right direction on a team that we're expecting to be in the playoffs, at least on the NFC side of things. So for Jared Goff, and I know that right now he's on the COVID list, hopefully he'll be able to test negative and get back out there like for their upcoming matchup in week 16. But seeing him able to be able to not just be able to uh, maneuver through some of the pressure. I mean, Arizona was capable of pressuring him on 32% of their dropbacks, but he was able to put up, I mean, enough in order to be at least getting into the top 12 ranks like for this past weekend with Josh Reynolds performing well, Amon Ross St. Brown performing well. And I think it's just kind of odd thinking about Detroit's offense as a whole not really having their top two stars in DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson and seeing Goff go out there and at least deal with I don't know. I, I'm, I'm actually more optimistic about the Lions' future than almost any other franchise that's essentially hitting the reset button, whether it's Houston, whether it's Jacksonville, whether it's the Jets. I mean, I just feel much more secure in the fact that these biting kneecaps types of plays are actually trying to are actually starting to work out. And so, I mean, Jen, like while I don't think that anybody's going to be really hustling to pick up Jared Goff, I mean, at the very least, I mean, are you at least, uh, I guess, confident in starting, let's say, Amon Ross St. Brown or Josh Reynolds or even Craig uh, or even Craig Reynolds, uh, who just uh, like popped up for un- like a hundred yard game and signed to the active roster? I mean, while Goff might not be the quarterback most folks are starting, I mean, are you at least somewhat, I guess, comfortable with starting any of the other Lions pass catchers throughout the rest of the fantasy playoffs? I am, and I think it's a good thing for you know the fantasy landscape that we actually you know have some weapons that we didn't have earlier on in the season. I mean, Hawkinson has kind of been in and out, um, not only health-wise, but, I mean, productive-wise. Uh, and I think it's exciting. Look, Amon Ross St. Brown and, and Josh Reynolds have both been decent. I mean, I have them on several teams and have started them with, with somewhat confidence in the last couple weeks. And I think it's a good thing, you know, that that's, that's happening. Um, like you said, I don't know that I would necessarily go to the golf well right now. But I would feel confident. And also Craig Reynolds, like you said. I mean, he had 112 yards at the moment heading into, you know, Monday's games. He's second in the league in rushing yards so on the week. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good thing for everybody to have more options because it is so depleted, not only with injuries but COVID. So, yeah, and Detroit in general, like fantasy football aside, I feel like Detroit's one of those teams that, that everyone – I mean, unless you're necessarily, you know, a huge rival in that division. But everyone wants to see him do well. They've been bad for so long that it's just kind of, it would be nice if they were actually good again, or good in general. Yeah, exactly. And I think, especially with all of the off-season stuff, I mean, like I just referenced earlier about the whole biting kneecaps thing, it just seemed like they were going to be more of the laughing stock of the league. And sitting here with, what, three wins on the season, and like I was saying, Brandon, I feel more confident about their 2022 outlook and beyond than any of the other franchises, but we still have to look at what they have to finish out the regular season. They've got Atlanta 
this week. They got Seattle the week after that. So closing out the fantasy playoffs, again, I'm not saying like golf might be at the very least a deep streaming option at the quarterback position. If you want to go that far, I'm not necessarily recommending that, especially with golf on the COVID list. But like I was talking with Jen, I mean, are you interested in firing up any of the pass catchers? Let's say assuming golf makes it back and he's healthy and activated for this weekend. I mean, are you also comfortable with firing up any of his pass catchers like for, for week 16 and week, or week 17? I am. You know, uh, this especially Atlanta on the schedule, that's exciting. We're going to get uh, – this is maybe a little bit of a preview for my uh, looking ahead segment. But uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, he's got – Eight, eight, and ten catches in the past three games. Got two touchdowns in that span. Uh, if you're in a PPR league especially, I, I think he absolutely should be in your lineup. And I, I think they're going to throw against Atlanta, and I think he's going to be a key part of that offense. So I'm super excited for Detroit. I'm probably only streaming Jared Goff in two quarterback leagues, probably not in one quarterback situations. Uh, as long as Jamal Williams doesn't come back, then I'm interested in Craig Reynolds. Uh, I'm, I'm excited, especially against Atlanta this week. Yeah, and I think that's the way like folks need to take a look at it is that it's not just the fact that, I mean, the team is getting hot at the right time, but it's also who they're going to be going up against over these next couple of weeks. And like we we can all agree, I mean, golf is probably not going to be like the top streamer or even looked at in that light. But if we're also interested in his pass catchers, whether any of the guys we just listed, or if you want to go even like deeper off the board, I mean, I think Khalif Raymond is still running, running routes out there. Uh, yeah, sure. But I think it's really just about those core pieces, about the matchups, and being able to, especially with the injuries that have happened this past week with losses to uh, along Tampa Bay's offense and so on and so forth, I think it is possible for you to pick up one of those Detroit players, put them into, let's say, your wide receiver three flex position, and maybe eke out like, you know, seven, eight, nine points and hopefully save your fantasy matchup. Like if you are vying for a playoff spot or not vying for a playoff spot or fighting to continue having a playoff spot over the next like couple of weeks. Uh, but my next surprise is a guy that I know a ton of folks like in the fantasy community have been vi- like pining for to see him actually get a chance at a starting position, and he wound up performing well. I mean, Duke Johnson gets uh, gets actually signed by and put up on the active roster by the Miami Dolphins this past weekend. He winds up starting the game. Out carries Miles Gaskin, actually has his first like 100-yard game. He was the first 100-yard rusher, if I'm remembering correctly, for, like for the Miami Dolphins like so far this season. And then looking back over Gaskin's like short like short career, especially in this season, his highest success rate, and then for, uh, for my purposes, I look at success rate as the ratio of positive expected points added on any particular run. I mean, the highest success rate that Miles Gaskin's had at, in any point during the season is 53.3%. And that was about like six or seven weeks ago. Duke Johnson this past week had a 54.5% success rate. And I know that's in one game. And I know that the matchup was one that we wanted to see like them against considering they were playing against the Jets. But just seeing not only the fact that he was uh, he was the main ball carrier for Miami, not only the fact that he was the most efficient ball carrier like for Miami, but also seeing the fact that Miami, they actually wound up changing up uh, their uh, their uh, pass rate this past week, and they wound up having a, a lesser uh, pass rate or neutral pass rate than they typically do because we've seen them mostly uh, rely on those short, quick passes. Now, Jalen Waddle was out. We don't know what's going to happen once he comes back. But, I mean, Jen, if you were to recommend to anybody moving forward, like, are you telling them to put Duke Johnson at, like, maybe – what, low-end RB2, high-end RB3? How are we feeling about his prospects over the last couple of weeks of the season? 
I think it, you know, depends on your situation, who you have on your roster. You know, it was nice to see Duke Johnson do well. I think, you know, the the next few weeks are going to be not as easy as this week. Like you said, they had the Jets. They get New Orleans, then Tennessee, then New England, who are second, fourth, and then 13th in uh, schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. So, I mean, it's not going to be easy sledding for, for old Duke, uh, especially the next two weeks, and then week, you know, 18 – um, is a little relief. New England's not as great against the run, but I don't know that they're going to game plan to have him there. I mean, I think it's exciting. Like you said, a lot of people have been calling for the Duke Johnson, you know, breakout, at, you know, for years, and it hasn't happened. So it's nice to see him do well. I think that offense, it's just all year, it's been kind of up and down, um, especially at the running back position. So I don't know if we can necessarily count on him, especially with these difficult matchups. So I think if you're in a position where your running back situation is depleted and you have to come up with someone and you have Duke there. Sure. But I don't know that, you know, you can count on him for the kind of game he had this week. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. I mean, especially given the matchups and also given the fact that Miles Gaskin, like coming off the COVID list, I mean, we don't know if they were trying to ease him back in and try and see like if they, he was yeah. capable of like holding on, like to at least, you know, being able to be available for the entire game. So having him back, also having uh, completely healthy throughout the entire week of practice, then also getting Waddle back. We don't know how that touch share is going to shake out or even how the team approaches from a game plan perspective over the next couple of weeks. So I, I do, I do completely understand like how folks might have at least some sort of hesitation regarding starting Duke Johnson, like moving forward. But of course, I have to talk to the resident Dolphins fan like in the in the house tonight I mean Brandon I mean <laughs> what are your thoughts about like this split I mean seeing Duke Johnson come in and just with your team having an effective running game and now albeit against the Jets I mean what do you think they should do with Duke Johnson now that they found at least some sort of productive running game with him under center or at least with him off center rather Albeit's a pretty big beat, you right against the mm-hmm. Jets. Like that's yeah. a pretty big beat. The Jets, uh, uh, um, <laughs> I know, I know. Look, it was an ugly win for the Dolphins, but a win's a win. I'm excited uh, that they're at least uh, sniffing the playoffs, even if it's uh, kind of far away and through two closed doors. At least they can smell it, which is really cool. Uh, sell Duke Johnson. Sell, sell, sell. Uh, I think we've been here before. We've seen this before. How many times do we need to get excited about Duke Johnson before we just realize that that's not who he is? Brian Flores had indicated that Miles Gaskin not practicing for most of the week, coming off the COVID list, he was going to take it easy with him. I think Gaskin is still the guy, and I think he will still continue to be uh, dumbfoundingly frustrating. Uh, for fantasy managers. I Duke Johnson, I think, will also be the same thing. He's going to get some carries. He's going to be involved. But Miles Gesson had 10 carries. It was the Jets. I, I hope that all the other managers in my leagues will go out and, and count on Duke Johnson because I don't see that panning out the rest of the season, especially with a tough, tough slate of games coming up. Yeah, and wow, I think that, Brandon. Staunch. I know, just just laying no the Burke. hammer. No Merck at all for Brandon right now. No he Burke. doesn't want it. No yeah, Merck. First off, I know he doesn't want the Merck. And two, I mean, just laying the hammer on Duke Johnson. I mean, this is just, this is tough for anybody that's been out there hoping to see Duke Johnson continue to get his due. I mean, we now have Brandon Niles telling us to, no, get rid of him. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure, Brandon, you just said that he was washed anyway. I'm pretty sure that also, that you said that mm-hmm. too. So yeah, I pretty just... much insulted his family. That's pretty much what I did. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of rough. I mean, I'm hoping, I, I know Duke Johnson <laughs> listens to this particular show, and I know he's going to hear, uh, I know he's going to hear what you said, like, after we get done. He's got to explain it to his kids. Poor, yeah, poor yeah thing, it's, just, it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm poor sure you'll, get a, you'll, you'll be getting a DM from, from Duke probably yeah. at some point tomorrow. Duke, prove me wrong and rush for 500 yards next week and, and the Dolphins win again. And look, I'll just keep doubting you, and you could just keep making the Dolphins win. Wow! So Duke Johnson now has to be Jamal Charles in yes. order to. Okay. All right. <laughs> wow. That's. I mean, that's that's a high bar. But I'm. I being a Duke Johnson fan, know that he could easily clear said bar. So uh, I will continue to root for Duke Johnson and hope that that's the case. Uh, but no, let's let's go ahead and move on. Uh, one last surprise for this past week, and I guess if folks have been paying attention to the target share uh, for the Falcons over the past few weeks, it's not much of a surprise. But Russell Gage continuing to pop up for not just, I mean, of course, having the shorter A dot targets being the one that they use like out of the slot. I mean, I guess it makes sense that he's the one that has had like the largest target share. I mean, 44 targets like over the past like five weeks, so averaging about like eight to nine per week. But it's also he's been able to get some of the contested catches. I mean, even going through, if you haven't seen like some of their games, just look through some of the tweets because I follow a number of the beat writers like for Atlanta, seeing him come up on those third down catches to convert drives. I mean, seeing him continue to be like one of the trusted receivers for Matt Ryan. I mean, it's something of a surprise. I mean, given his stature, but I get that without without him being able to rely on Kyle Pitts, without really having anybody outside of Cordero Patterson to be at least. A, like, a reliable pass catcher within the Falcons offense. I get it. And it's good to see Gage stepping up. But Jen, I mean, similar question to, I mean, uh, to what we were talking about with Duke Johnson. Are you comfortable starting an Atlanta wide receiver in your lineup, like over the rest of the fantasy playoffs? I am not, Chris. I, I am not. I, I don't, I don't buy that they're consistent enough to win me you know a game at this point i feel like matt ryan kind of the head of the beast of 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 non-consistency um and i just yeah i haven't been on board with pits i haven't you know i think gage is fine as a player i know there was a some sort of twitter fight it's a couple months ago on whether russell gage was good it was like an entire day of something people were talking about it but i don't know (laughs) if i've necessarily bought into russell gage and anything like you know i I don't know i just don't feel great about the falcons and i feel like there are better options out there i mean it almost sounded like for a second that you were talking about russell gage as if you were a concept or something like that like you just you just don't buy into it you know it's like it's almost like I don't buy into crypto or I don't buy yeah. into NFTs or anything like that. It's a, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't really it's a buy trend. I'm just not. Gage. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Gonna, I'm just going to avoid that trend and, and go to the next one. <laughs> I don't, Twitter, yeah, please yeah. be nice to Chris for just speaking bad against crypto and NFTs. Twitter, I'm please not. be nice to Chris. <laughs> I know the, the crypto, the crypto bros are probably going to come for me. I apologize. Twi- for Twitter such is a strong. Twi- oh, the, I know. The power of Twitter. <laughs> oh, believe me. I know. Uh, but no, I'm Brandon, like kicking it over to you. But as we were just talking about, I mean, uh, or not we were just talking about with the Detroit situation, but with Atlanta, they play Detroit this upcoming weekend in week 16. I know they've got a tough matchup against Buffalo and they've got New Orleans in, in week 18. But at the very least uh, for this week, it does look like we can we could possibly use Russell Gage. I mean, this week, I mean, what are your thoughts on trying to roster the slot receiver for Atlanta? feel like Russell Gage is, you know, I feel like he's kind of like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, like they're good, and I like them, but I forget that they're valid. Like, I forget 
that I might want to put red hot chili peppers on and listen to them. I forget about it. You know, they're the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? But I put them on and I like it. It turns out good, right? I'm like, oh yeah, I should listen to this more. But I I forgot that they were good because I just don't think about let's put on a Red Hot Chili Peppers album. You know, um, that's how Russell Gage is for me. Like I I forget that he's the lineup option. Whether I'm doing DFS or or redraft or whatever, I just forget that I can go and grab Russell Gage and put him into a lineup. And it usually turns out okay. You know, he's got at least four catches uh, in five straight games. He's got 11 catches two two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Eight catches this past week. A uh, couple touchdowns the past four games. So he's there. Atlanta's throwing. Uh, they got a nice matchup in Detroit. Uh, this week. So I'm buying Russell Gage as someone you can plug into your lineup, but not someone you're going to be super excited about. Yeah. And I think that does make some sense because we're talking about a, a, like a, an offense that's powered by like, you know, Matt Ryan, who, I mean, if you look at any of the memes, I still remember, I think people were posting the meme of him lying face down in the turf uh, from like, maybe like eight, (laughs) eight to 10 weeks ago, like just this past Sunday. So it's just, how can you really get excited about an offense like that? I mean, outside of Cordero Patterson, I mean, really, what is there to get excited for? So, no, I, I, I get it. It's just given the targets, given where, like, the you know, given the opportunity that he's given, a wide receiver three spot, I wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge anybody, especially after the injuries that happened this week. I would not begrudge anyone for having Gage in their lineup. While it will probably be tough to stomach when those eight targets go for maybe 20 yards uh, this upcoming weekend. <laughs> so, uh, But other than that, uh, those are it for my surprises. Uh, but some folks that might need to be surprised, I mean, what does Underdog have for everybody, Brandon? All right, listeners, let me tell you about the easiest, most fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their brand new Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players and win you some cold, hard cash. First-time depositors should head to 4for4.com slash underdog, claim your free 4for4 Pro subscription, and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. All right, buy or sell segment. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with the pass catchers in Tampa. So uh, Tampa, ugly showing in New Orleans. Uh, Tom Brady uh, lost a lot of people their first playoff uh, match. You know, just an awful performance for the Tampa Bay offense. Uh, But most impactful, I suppose, for that offense is uh, losing Mike Evans, at least for the short term with a hamstring injury. Chris Godwin. Uh, looks like he tore an ACL and and will miss the rest of the season. Uh, I'm guessing his early 2022 might even be in doubt. So uh, super sad for Chris Godwin. Hope he gets uh, well fast. Uh, but those pass catchers, uh, they're bringing back Antonio Brown, Tyler Johnson's uh, in the mix. Uh, some people like Scotty Miller. Uh, Chris, what pass catchers in Tampa should we be targeting as we wind down our fantasy playoffs? Can none be an option? Uh, I mean, if Antonio Brown got dropped, then yes, like he would be the one that I'd pick up. Uh, Tyler Johnson also would be one that you, if you want to go and stash him, I mean, uh, that's absolutely fine. I think he had mixed in uh, essentially like in the same way that like Chris Godwin and how he was being deployed on the field. So some slot, like some out wide. I mean, so he's getting a mix in like here and there. Uh, Scotty Miller, more of the deep threat. I know his like he'd had a fairly significantly high uh, like average depth of target in the games that he had played but honestly I didn't even think he saw a snap yesterday even like with all the injuries so that's something to be pay attention to but I think the my biggest takeaway is that with we can't we can't assume that with all of these injuries that 
Tampa's offense is going to continue to operate the same way that it had like prior to because even beforehand they were top three top five in pass rate over expectation throughout the entire week and it kind of makes sense if you're deploying Mike Evans Chris Godwin Rob Gronkowski Antonio Brown and just you could beat the entire league over the head with those four guys but I don't think you can do the same thing with Antonio Brown coming off of an injury and then also I mean Scotty Miller Tyler Johnson Jalen Darden I mean th- that's those are those aren't the same guys they're not capable of creating the same set separation as any of the other I mean as the primary guys could so my expectation is that I mean they start to shift more towards two tight end sets we saw that just yesterday they were mixing in uh not just Cameron Brait OJ Howard as well so it's just I can see that more of just them entirely shifting their offense around, possibly even like dipping down in terms of their pass rate over expectation. I mean, so without any sort of indication about what we can expect moving forward, picking up maybe those first two guys, so Antonio Brown, Tyler Johnson, sure, but give it the next week or so to see like how they respond. If you, I'm assuming at this point, I mean, you weren't relying on Antonio Brown, you weren't relying on Tyler Johnson anyway. So if you can wait at least like one more week to see like how the team starts to operate, then it can give you a better idea of what we can expect like in the championship week. Makes sense taking a bit of a wait and see approach. So uh, in in along those same lines with a lack of options outside, are you grabbing Cameron Brait as a streamer this week? Yeah, I think he'd be a fine like fine player to pick up and try and stream this week because at least we know that he has the rapport with uh, with Tom Brady. He doesn't have any sort of injury concerns like coming into the game, so that he gives us like he gives you the best upside without any sort of I guess external or you know outside uh, I guess type of situation affecting his play on the game. Like he's the healthiest of like, most of them anyway. So I'd <laughs> rather start him than any of the other guys. Excellent, excellent. Jen, let's uh, talk about the running backs because we also had a Leonard Fournette injury, got a hamstring issue. He went into the game with an ankle issue. Uh, We don't know for sure that he's going to miss time, but early reports are uh, may miss a a game or two, uh, but avoided serious concerns. Uh, So that leaves uh, our our favorite uh, Ronald Jones and uh, Kashawn Vaughn uh, got some carries there when Fournette went out. Uh, Talk to me about the Tampa Bay running game. First of all, who's favorite? Who, who are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but no, listen, we're, we're now stuck with basically two doghouse guys, right? I mean, you're looking at Ronald Jones and Kashawn Vaughn. Both have been in and out of the doghouse of Bruce Arians. I don't, um, I mean, I understand that he has no choice now and he has to go with these guys, but I think Ronald Jones possibly presents some value, but I, I, I don't know about Kashawn Vaughn. I think that, that ship has sailed. Uh, at least for this season, I can't imagine him strolling in there and all of a sudden having fantasy relevancy in the last couple of weeks of the season. So uh, I am not on board with either one of these guys. So they signed uh, Kenyon Barner, who uh, we know of from uh, playing for every team in the league and doing a lot of kick returns. Uh, <laughs> could this be like a Craig Reynolds situation? Should we watch the waiver wire, watch the practice squad report, see if they bring anyone up? And if they do, should we be looking uh, maybe to stash just in case it's a Craig Reynolds situation where we all think it's going to be Jamar Jefferson and then and uh, Godwin. Ibu- right. Ibu- Possibly. Ibuke. And I then, mean, yeah, yeah, I wonder. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, watch those practice reports, I think, Jen. <laughs> yes. All right, I'm in. That'll be my, my, my duty here for the next week. Uh, let's see. We lost Teddy Bridgewater for the weekend. I love Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sad to see that we're going to lose him uh, probably for at least a week. Concussion issues. I hope he's okay. Uh, that brings Drew Locke. Back in the forefront of Denver, the uh, gunslinging Drew Locke. Chris, as my quarterback streaming guru, Drew Locke, should we be interested at all? 
I guess you could be interested just because their upcoming matchup is against the Raiders. And we just saw, I mean, if folks were watching earlier today, I mean, Nick Mullins almost like beat the Raiders uh, just, I mean, just today in Cleveland, even though uh, as a Bengals fan, uh, thank you for not winning Browns. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, but either way, uh, with with uh, with the Raiders being like one of the and towards the back end in terms of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to the quarterback position, I think the matchup at least sets up well for Drew Locke. It's just that we haven't really been able to see Drew Locke with a full week of practice as the starter because even in both times that he's come in relief for Teddy Bridgewater, because remember earlier in the season when Teddy Bridgewater was having the issue like with his ankle, foot, uh, we saw Drew Locke come in. A lot of his passes were errant. A lot of his passes were either like high or off like to any of his pass catchers. I mean, that's what brought up a lot of the discussions about why he was the backup to begin with because of the inaccuracies. But on top of that, we also have the fact that Drew Locke is the more aggressive of the two passers. Even uh, on Sunday, when he came in relief for Teddy Bridgewater, we saw a number of his passes going like farther downfield where he was targeting Cortland Sutton, where he was targeting Jerry Judy, even Tim Patrick on a 25-yard pass. So just those things are much more inherent to Drew Locke than it was Teddy Bridgewater. So if we do actually want to try and think about rostering or wanting to start not even just rostering just like starting any of the denver pass catchers i think drew lock does give us that type of confidence it's just that hopefully with the full week of practice in order to get in rhythm with each of them because even even uh, in their final drive if i'm remembering correctly on his pass to Cortland sutton across the middle of the field just a hair off so hopefully with a little bit more time they're capable of resetting and getting that uh, getting all of that in rhythm and then maybe we can uh, see him actually connect with his receivers this coming week. And this is the only week that I would recommend starting because after their match against the Raiders in week 16, they're up against the Chargers in week 17, and then they have to play against Kansas City in week 18. So really, it'd just be for this week anyway. But if you are in a pinch, and I mean, that has to be like the biggest of pinches because if anything, I would almost rather start Jared Goff, but that's my, that I could be just completely off my rocker. But Drew Locke, I think he has the volatility and upside to give you that access to a ceiling that you would probably want in order to get a QB1 score. But again, we've seen Drew Locke actually hit one of those floors, which could actually ruin your chance at winning a championship. So it, it's a tough sell for me, to be quite honest. Makes sense to me. Makes perfect sense. Jen, I want to shift to another running back. I want to talk Amir Abdullah. This is apparently the episode where we talk about running backs uh, from yesteryear that we all gambled on early in Dynasty and then had to give up on uh, after they turned out into nothing. Cordero Patterson this year, uh, you know, has turned into that. We just talked about Duke Johnson. Amir Abdullah uh, out-snapped Chuba Hubbard. Four catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown uh, in an ugly game for the Carolina Panthers. Are we interested at all in Amir Abdullah? I kind of am, especially for this week. Um, they play the Bucks, who you know are more of a, of a pass-funnel situation, and Abdullah is the pass-catching guy. So I feel like between Abdullah and Chuba Hubbard, I you know, would lean Abdullah this week. I feel like he's going to get – you know, he had, I think, four receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown last week. And I think it's going to be a similar game script. And I think that, uh, yeah, I'd be interested in him this week for sure. Excellent. I know I, I was kind of forced to start him in a couple leagues and turned out pretty good. Turned out okay. If he got in, kind of the four catches, which is nice. Uh, let's shift to uh, the last team I want to talk about. And I want to get both your intake or uh, both your input on this one. Uh, the Cardinals have been kind of 
bad lately. They were uh, a fantasy goldmine early in the season, especially Kyler Murray. Uh, James Conner was doing a great job finding the end zone for a long time. Now they pretty much just don't show up against Detroit. Are we concerned, Jen? Are you concerned about the fantasy options in Arizona, or is it much ado about nothing? You know how I feel about the Christian Kirk All-Stars and the Rondale Moore (laughs) All-Stars and all of them. So big pass, all of it. I was passing before uh, they absolutely crapped the bed against the Lions. So, I mean, listen, A.J. Green has been usable in spot starts. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is out, and it's still – I mean, you know what? I'll take it back. Zach Ertz, uh, because tight end is so gross that I'd be okay with Zach Ertz, but that's about it at this point for me. And Connor. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Chris, what do you think about the Arizona fantasy options? No, I think all of them uh, outside of Rondell Moore, because even last week with DeAndre Hopkins out, I mean, just three targets. So it almost makes me kind of concerned about not just Rondell Moore for this week and not even just for the rest of the season, but what does his like long-term outlook look like if they still can't figure out a way to manufacture touches for him with DeAndre Hopkins out. I get that DeAndre Hopkins plays in a different area of the field than where Rondell Moore is typically deployed, but it just, for me, it just makes, it doesn't make sense to me that like you couldn't just move Christian Kirk outside and then maybe again, manufacture some touches to Rondell Moore in the short area of the field. I, I don't know, but either way for the core pieces, like Christian Kirk, 12 targets last week, Zachers, 11 targets last week, AJ Green, eight targets, even though one of his targets was an interception to, you know, from uh, Kyler Murray, which if you saw the replay for it, looked like he was pissed that AJ Green didn't come back to the ball. Uh, but <laughs> If that's the type of target share, I mean, if that's the type of opportunity those types, those guys are going to have, then I don't have an issue with starting any of them. It's just that I don't, but I also don't expect uh, the Cardinals to face this type of outcome, like moving forward. I don't think that they're, at least from a matchup perspective, I mean, things don't look as great. I mean, they're definitely not going to be playing like Detroit, but the Colts aren't that bad. Dallas is tough, but they have given up some big yardage games in the past as well. And I think really it just it also comes down to why isn't Kyler Murray running all too often? I mean, just three attempts, three, four attempts this past week. So unless there's some sort of continued concern like with his ankle, maybe that's it and that's coming going on behind the scenes and we don't know about it. But this offense also needs to shift its philosophy in order to make sure that defenses just aren't teeing off on or, or sitting in coverage on some of the routes since their pass catchers aren't one of the best in terms of creating separation or also like uh, winning contested catches. So until that happens, and I'm assuming that will most likely be the case this week against the Colts, I'm okay with just starting the, the main pieces. So Kirk, Ertz, A.J. Green, I think that's about it. And the running backs, of course, as well. But outside of that, I'm kind of out. Yeah, Kyler Murray not running uh, changes things a lot when you evaluate him as an upper echelon elite fantasy quarterback versus a you know lower end fringe QB one option so I'm going to be watching that very carefully but let's move into our uh, looking ahead segment since we're coming up on time uh we talked about Amon Ross St. Brown and the Lions uh earlier I'm just going to double down on that Amon Ross St. Brown he's been rolling lots of catches lots of targets especially if you're in a PPR and he gets the Falcons this week I'll be dialing him up everywhere that I have him uh Jen what's your looking ahead segment my looking ahead guy this week is Albert O. Uh, I think that, you know, first of all, they have Vegas this week, uh, who are 28th in, in schedule just of fantasy points allowed to the tight end. Then they have the Chargers, which are 25th the week after. You got Drew, Drew Locke now, his Mizzou teammate. You got that connection. Uh, none of the other pass catchers in Denver seem to be doing anything. So I feel like the, the Drew Locke-Albert O thing may be uh, a good thing for people that 
are struggling to find a tight end to play. Excellent, excellent. Go get you some Albert O. Chris, uh, what's your looking ahead segment? Uh, so I'm just going to continue rolling the dice on Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position. Now I know nice. that Jimmy G, like he isn't the one that's going to wind up giving you like that, like high end, like QB one output, not like, uh, unlike let's say guys like Tyler Huntley. Now, if Tyler Huntley is still going to start this week and Lamar Jackson is out, absolutely go ahead and pick him up. They play against the Bengals this week, but we just don't know as of today, like what that injury situation is going to be for Lamar, like for week 16. But Jimmy G, I mean, he has yet another game where he's top four in EPA per play. I mean, they're going up against the Titans this upcoming weekend. They're 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. And just like I said last week, and even in my notes in my streaming uh, my uh, streaming quarterbacks column, is that if we like Debo Samuel, if we like Brandon Ayuk, if we like George Kittle, I mean, if we like all of his pass catchers, we should also like Jimmy Garoppolo. So at the, and at the very least, if Tennessee can at least uh, either force them into a shootout or force them to do the thing that they uh, that they uh, force them to do the thing they typically don't in that Tennessee is actually good against the run. They're not good against the pass. So even though San Francisco typically does like to run the ball, they're bottom four in terms of pass rate over expectation. So if Tennessee stops the running game, they're forced to pass. That all comes down to what Jimmy G can do, and that gives us more production for him. So might be a little bit more like too deep in the weeds in terms of game flow. But either way, I still think Jimmy Garoppolo is another strong streaming option for Week 16. Excellent, excellent. I've been listening to your Jimmy G love, and I'm still fighting. So I'm still fighting with Jimmy as my quarterback. So that's how it's going. Uh, thank you, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.